What's up, church? Tell you what, I'll tell you what, man. God is good, God is great, and God's in this room. And uh, I want to share with you uh, what God had me write in front of my sermon notes. And um, sometimes I get anxious on Sunday morning about presenting the Word of God, and it's like a serious deal. And, and uh, God had me write here, Steve, trust me to help you deliver my message. I will do it. I am faithful. I'll tell you what, he is faithful. He is true. He's steadfast. We can count on him. He's in this room. He's in this place. I really believe today we maybe should have put caution tape around the entire building because you're in a dangerous place right now. You're in a room full of God's presence and God's people, and you're about to hear God's word. And I want to start off with some words that are 2,000 years old that were literally breathed by God. Uh, words that are sharper than a double-edged sword, words that are able to divide joint and marrow, soul and spirit, words that are able to judge the thoughts and the attitudes of our heart, uh, words that Paul says are, are useful for, for, for correcting, for rebuking, for teaching, for training in righteousness so the man of God and the woman of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. This is the, the word of God um, written by a, a guy we don't even know who it was, the Hebrew writer, Hebrews chapter 11. And, and the words that I'm about to read are going to lay a, a firm and strong foundation for a conversation today on March the 8th, 2015. On March the 8th. 2015. And the reason I'm, I'm being so emphatic about the date is because for a few, maybe it's one, maybe it's two, maybe it's everybody, but for at least one in this room, uh, you're going to look back and say, man, you know what? On March the 8th, 2015, something happened. Something happened. I, I had an encounter with the living God, and I'm just not the same person anymore. Hebrew writer writes this, now, now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about things we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was made out of what was so, 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 so. Oh, okay, I'm better. So that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. In other words, God made everything we see out of nothing. By faith, Abel brought God a better offering uh, than Cain did. By faith, he was commended as righteous when God spoke well of his offerings. And by faith, Abel still speaks even though he is dead. By faith, Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. And without faith, it's impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. And then for the, the next 25 verses, the Hebrew writer recounts how faithfulness moved people like Noah, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, and Moses to do extraordinary and unexplainable things. And, and then he concludes that chapter with these words. See, you know, he was on a time clock. You know, he, wasn't, he didn't get as much time to speak as I do, right? And, and so he says, uh, and what more shall I say? I, I don't have time, but I do have time. Uh, just to let you know, I don't have time to, uh, to tell about Gideon, Barak, Samson, and Jephthah, about David and Samuel and the prophets, who, who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, and gained what was promised, who shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of the flames and escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned into strength, who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. Women received back uh, their dead, raised to life again. There are others who were tortured, refusing to be released so that they might gain an even better resurrection. Some faced jeers and floggings and even chains and imprisonment. They were put to death by the stoning. They were sawed in two. They were killed by the sword. They went around in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains, living in caves and in holes in the ground. They were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised. 
Since God had planned something better for us so that only together with us, when Jesus came to make everything right, would they be made perfect along with us. Would you pray with me? Uh, Father God, we love you. We need you. We worship you. We praise you. We stand in all of you. How deep is your love, God, that you would, that you would send your son to die for us, that our sin would be on his shoulders until it was accomplished. And, and God, I, I pray that you'll enable me to speak your word this morning with power, God. I, 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 I stand up here, God, in fear and trembling, Lord. I, uh, Holy Spirit, I, I just need your help. And, and Spirit, I, I pray that you would flow through this place and, and that each of us, including me, would hear your words right now. We'd be stirred to greater faithfulness, Lord, stirred to greater things because you are a God who is faithful, who keeps his promises. God, we love you. I pray that those who have ears will hear and eyes will see and open hearts will respond to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, today is our sixth week in our, our series called It's Time to Grow. It's time to what? It's time to grow. It's time to grow. It's a, it's a nine-week study on the fruit of the Spirit. Uh, Paul wrote 2,000 years ago in Galatians chapter 5, uh, but the Holy Spirit, who by the way, according to the Bible, the authority at Maple Grove is, is given to a believer who responds in belief, repentance, and baptism. Acts 2.38 reads this, right? Peter is preaching the first gospel sermon to thousands of people who are responding to Christ, responding to his grace. Peter replied, here's how you respond. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ. Why? For the forgiveness of your sins, and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Paul writes, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. And, and let's read those nine fruit together on a count of three. One, two, three. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. You don't, we don't need no law, right, if we're living that way. And, and since January the 18th, uh, we, we've talked about, uh, number one, we've talked about the absolute necessity for you and I to, to pull up the weeds of the sinful nature if we want to grow the fruit of the Spirit. Now, I have uh, some responsive reading here, right? If you want to grow the fruit, that's my line, right? Your line is, I got to pull the weeds, right? I got to pull the weeds, right? And we, okay? We all ready? This is on tape, going all over the world, right? Millions of people will be listening to this later on today, right? Just kidding. All right. You ready? Maple Grove, if you want to grow the fruit, Maple Grove, if you want to grow the fruit, amen, keep pulling them. I got to pull them, right? Those suckers keep coming back, right? You think they're gone, and there they are again. There they are again. They keep coming up. You thought you were done with it. You got to keep pulling them suckers. We've also talked about love when it is undeserved, joy when there's no reason, uh, peace when the pressure's on, and patience when you feel like losing it. Man, was your patience tested last week? I bet it was. This morning, we're going to talk about faithfulness when the road gets rocky. And yeah, I know I, I skipped over faithfulness and, and, I mean, kindness and goodness, because I don't really like those two. No, not, no just kidding. I'm not very kind or good. No, but we're going to do that next week, all right? And a, a message I'm calling kindness and goodness when no one notices. And our compassion team has something special lined up to, now, to allow us to really engage and do something next week practical. But again, today, it's faithfulness when the road gets rocky. And listen, in this world, in this world that's full of trouble, in this world occupied by an enemy who opposes God, an enemy who, who is trying to steal, kill, and destroy the life that God has for you, in this world, the road of faithfulness will always be opposed, will always be rocky. Now, sometimes uh, those rocks are going to be a lot bigger, right? And the roads will be a lot steeper, but our faithfulness will always be opposed. The road to faithfulness will always be rocky. Get it? Good. And, and, and now, the, the, the way I, I, I want us to try to understand this concept of the fruit of faithfulness is I, I want to answer four questions, uh, you know, a, a what, a, a, a why, a how, and a where. And, and I think we do that, we'll be at a really good place. And, and God's really wanting to speak to you individually today. 
So what is faithfulness? Now the word that Paul uses in Galatians 5.22 is the Greek word pistis, and it means to be trustworthy, to be true, to be dependable, uh, to be reliable, uh, to be like this natural wonder we find out in Yellowstone, right? Oh, any, I've never, anybody ever seen in person, you know, oh, faithful, okay? It, that sucker it can apparently shoot up 8,000 plus gallons of, bo- of boiling water about 150 to 180 feet in the air. And it does it every 90 minutes. It's not the biggest geyser in America. It's not the most powerful. But what makes it famous is its dependability, right? It's like clockwork. I understand the person with the fruit of, of the faithfulness, that person can be counted on. Uh, they will always do what they say. Their, uh, their word will be their bond. They, they, they won't speak with a forked tongue. They, they won't parse their words and practice political spin. Their yes will be yes, and their no will be no. Uh, they will keep their promises. They will fulfill their commitments no matter what. They say what they mean, and they mean what they say. Kind of like this guy right here, right? That's what he did, right? Who is that? It's not Dumbo. It's Dumbo's cousin, right? You know, it's Horton, right? You know, I say what I mean, and I mean what I say. Now, in my opinion... Faithfulness, reliability, trustworthiness, dependability, I think they're kind of rare today. I, I think it's sometimes, I think it's hard to find somebody that you can really count on, somebody who will keep their word, uh, uh, somebody that's reliable and dependable, and their yes is yes, and their no is no. And you know what? It, it's not a new problem. It's been around for at least 3,000 years. Check out what Solomon said in Proverbs 20, verse 6. Many people claim to be loyal. But it's hard to find a trustworthy person. You see, it, it, it's not easy to find someone we can really count on. I, I love how the Good News Bible translates Proverbs 20, verse 6. It says, everyone talks about how loyal and faithful he is. But just try to find someone who really is. In Proverbs twenty-five nineteen, Solomon says this, like a bad tooth or a lame foot is reliance on the unfaithful in times of trouble. What God is saying is unreliable people are a what? They're pain, right? They're pain. They're, they're like having a, a toothache or a lame foot, and you, like, like you never know, right? When is that pain going to start shooting you know, in, in, in your tooth, in your foot? And so you live with this constant tension and uneasiness. When Michael Jordan was trying to play um, Major League Baseball, someone asked Joe DiMaggio to evaluate Jordan's swing. And DiMaggio said, he has a great stance, but a terrible follow-through. And that's not just true for baseball and Michael Jordan. It's true in life. My question to you this morning is, how's your follow-through? When the rubber hits the road, do you, do you stay in gear? Can people count on you? Is your yes, yes, and your no, no? And listen, since... Since faithfulness when the road is rocky, like love when it's undeserved, joy when there's no reason, peace when the pressure's on, patience when you feel like losing it, since it's so rare, it really is part of that river of life that, that, that the Holy Spirit wants to well up inside of us and flow from us out into this world. Let, let me tell you, when you and I become faithful, dependable, reliable, yes means yes, no means no people, the world is going to notice. And faithful people flowing out into this dark, crooked world will bring dead things back to life. Get it? Good. So what is faithfulness? It's about being dependable, reliable, trustworthy, and true, uh, no matter the cost. And, and this week, you know, I began thinking of, you know, uh, what are some images, I ask myself, that come to mind when I think of someone displaying faithfulness? And, 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 and a couple popped in mind, into my mind real quick. The first is from Daniel chapter 3. It's the years around 50 BC. The place is the plains of Dura and the province of Babylon. And the setting is a, a 90-foot idol of gold has been set up and the entire nation has been gathered and commanded to bow as soon as you hear the music playing and 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 three guys refuse to do it and let me tell you when thousands of people are bowing to the music and you don't bow somebody's going to notice 
And, and some guys who didn't like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who felt threatened by them, were sure they ratted them out to King Nebuchadnezzar. And we read this. The Nebuchadnezzar flew into a rage and ordered that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought before him. When they're brought in, Nebuchadnezzar said to them, is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you refuse to serve my gods or to worship the gold statue I've set up? I'll give you one more chance to bow down. I kind of like you guys. You're kind of a good asset to my company. And worship the statue I've made when you hear the sound of musical instruments. But if you refuse, you'll be thrown immediately into the blazing furnace. And then what God will be able to rescue you from my power? I mean, could you imagine being that? And listen, a lot of ways, we are them. I mean, our world is playing music all the time. Our world is telling us to bow down to their value system, to what our world says is right and wrong, what our world says about sexual morality, what our world says about who should be married and who shouldn't be married, what our world says about choice and various things like that. The world plays music, and we are asked to bow down to its value system. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied, Oh, Nebuchadnezzar, <laughs> Nebster. Uh, we do not need to defend ourselves before you, dude. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, I love it. If we are thrown, it's kind of like that rocky Mr. T thing. You know, if we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. <laughs> but, but, but even if he doesn't, we, we want to make it clear to you. Yeah, could you get out a notepad? You know, you could write it down in Sharpie, you know, you tattoo it on your arm. We don't want you to miss this, your majesty, <laughs> that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue you set up. That's some serious faithfulness when the road was rocky. They heard the music, but they didn't bow. You can read the rest of the story on your own. It's pretty good. I also think of the Apostle Paul in Acts chapter 20. He's about to head back to Jerusalem, and he's not taking a Holy Land trip, right? It's not a good time for him. And we read this. And now, compelled by the Spirit, I'm going to Jerusalem. Not knowing what will happen to me there, I only know that in every city, the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardship are facing me. Right? And Paul still bought his ticket, right? Went to Expedia, got his hotel, got it all lined up. Because this is why. However... And you despite that, yeah, I'm not really necessarily looking forward to it, but I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus is giving me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. Paul's like, I got to do what God told me to do because God told me to do it, and I'm going to do it because I'm faithful and God is faithful. Uh, the next two are kind of recent ones, and and one that it really flashed in my mind, and actually it flashed into my mind weeks ago, was what happened after, you know, what I found out after we left church on February the 15th, the day after Valentine's, when I had, we had had the sermon, you know, a piece when the pressure's on, and, and I found out right when I got home that afternoon that, that 21 Coptic Christians were beheaded in Libya on the beach by the Mediterranean Sea. And as ISIS put the video, it said, you know, a message signed with blood to the nation of the cross. You know, and this week I, I, I watched the video, some of the video of the beheading, and it, it, it tore me up. I, I, I've never seen it, because it wasn't a movie. It, it wasn't William Wallace or, or, you know, Mel Gibson and Braveheart. It was absolutely brutal. And I also came across a video, I'm going to post it on my Facebook wall um, later today of an interview that went down on Egyptian television station, and, and on the line calling in was a guy who two of his brothers, Bishore and Samuel, 123, 125, were on that beach kneeling down and got beheaded. And he was talking to him. And this guy was saying how happy he was and how proud he was of his brothers. And, and he was saying, you know, I'm really grateful to ISIS that they didn't edit out the audio where my brother and the others cried out their last words, Jesus Christ, our Lord. And, and, and the guy said, you know, I was talking to my mom, 
You know, and, and I asked my mom if, if she saw walking down the street, and I said, hey, here's one of the guys that killed your sons. What would you do? And she said, I would invite them into my home and pray that God would open up their eyes. And this guy kept saying, he said, believe that we are a very happy people because our brothers were faithful. And it ended, the guy said, would you pray for the ones who killed your brothers? And he prayed, dear God, please open their eyes to be saved and to quit their ignorance and the wrong teachings that they were taught. And, and when, when this story hit me, I, I, I got to be honest, it, it hit me hard. And I've been wanting to talk about them in faithfulness ever since. And because I, I, I know that as these guys, right? They're like you and I, right? They weren't looking forward to it. It's brutal. You know, and I think if I was to be, I hope I'd be that faithful, and I'd want it to matter, right? I'd be saying, God, God, make this matter. Have it make a difference. And, and I was compelled ever since I heard about it on the 15th of February to talk to us as a church. And because we know what I'm be, I want to be able to tell these guys, be sure and Samuel and the rest. I'm gonna say, hey, you don't know me when we're in heaven eating steaks together, you know, <laughs> with mushrooms, medium rare. And uh, baked potato, sour cream, cheese, you know, it's all healthy in heaven. And, 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 and I want to say, you, you may never heard of Charlottesville, Virginia, and probably didn't hear of Maple Grove Christian Church, but I want you to know that a bunch of Christians talked about what you did, and talked about your sacrifice, and talked about what you were willing to give up because you love Jesus, and you love the gospel, and, and it stirred their faith. And they did things they would not have done otherwise. And, and, that's, and I, I have, I've been waiting to talk about these guys. I, I also came across that very week, you know, Ann Voskamp. Uh, she had an article on her, or whatever her website is, Holy Experience, or I'm not sure what it is, but um, she said this, and it's so true. Uh, it's in your notes. Too long the people of the cross have crusaded for what kind of lives? Safe lives. Too long we wish for what kind of lies? Comfortable lies. Too long we've wanted easy vanilla love. And we, 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 don't, want no, we, we don't want no rocky your road world. You know, we're going to be vanilla. You know? We're not going to cause any waves. We'll just be vanilla Christians instead of cross-shaped love. So the people of the cross will pray that our faith in our Savior is worth laying down our life for our Savior we will pray that we don't live lives of cheap grace. Thank you for my salvation, see you in heaven, but of costly Christianity. We'll pray that the 21 sacrificial lives will stir us to live sacrificial lives. I can't wait to meet Bishur and Samuel and tell them they made a difference. Now, now listen, I, I get it, being faithful most of us are probably not going to be thrown into a fiery furnace. We're not going to be forced to kneel down on the beach by the Mediterranean Sea. We're, we're not going to face arrest in Jerusalem because of our faith. But, but nevertheless, our faith must be shaped by the cross. It, it, it must be shaped by sacrifice. Our, our faith, it, it must be, we must be trustworthy and dependable in all things. We have to keep our commitments no matter the cost. Kind of like my good friend, Sam Sharp is doing right now. Sam Sharp, who, who married the love of his life, November 16th, 1959. And on that day, he stood before God and other people and said, you know what, Madeline, I I'm going to love you in good times and bad times. Madeline, I'm going to love you in sickness and in health. And, and then in, in May of 2011, that love and sickness and health became reality for both Sam and Madeline. And Ever since then, Madeline's been on a, a steady, 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 steady decline with a very, very rare brain disease. And, and Sam and I meet for lunch every other Wednesday, and, and, and uh, he, he texts me, like, all the time, all the time. Great text. And he happened to text me this Thursday, and here's what he texted me. Steve, I'm thankful Jesus Christ said he would always be present in our lives. It is his grace and love that makes everything worth living for him. I'm so humbled and honored to take care of the bride of my youth. Jesus radiates from her smiles. She's not able to talk, has a hard time to communicate, sleeps most of the time right now. 
Even though she continues to spiral down, I get to watch her be lifted higher. What an awesome privilege to see my God at work in my life. An hour later after the text, I emailed, I text Sam, Sam, this week I'm talking about the fruit of faithfulness, the fruit of being dependable, trustworthy, of keeping our word, of being able to be counted on by the people in our lives and by our God. Would it be okay if I shared a little about your story, yours and Madeline's on Sunday? It's a great picture of faithfulness. And he texts me back, Steve, it is fine to share our story anytime it's applicable. If how, if how great God has been in our lives helps or encourages someone, great. I would always want all to know that our lives included the bad times too. But in all, we've honored God, and he's always been with us, and he's always been faithful. And, and I don't know where I stuck my phone, like always, but he texted me this morning to say, Steve, make sure that they know that none of what's happened in their lives is by us. God has done it all. We don't want any credit. And he, he texted me out this morning. He wants to make sure. He says, hey, yeah, God's with us, but I want, don't let people get this wrong. It's not us. It's God who is doing it. But he is showing faithfulness when the road has gotten really rocky. Well, that's what faith is. And uh, um, Why is faithfulness such a big deal? Well, let, let me give you a few reasons. Number one, because God is faithful. I, I love Psalm 89, verse 8. O Lord God Almighty, who is like you? You're mighty, O Lord, and your faithfulness, your faithfulness surrounds you. Psalm 33, 4 tells us that, that he is faithful in all he does. And, and aren't you glad he is? I mean, aren't you glad that God is faithful? Uh, aren't you glad that great is his faithfulness? You know, you know there, are, there are a lot of things that I appreciate about God that I thank God for, his love, his grace, his mercy, his goodness, his compassion, his comfort. But, but I think the thing I, I, I respect, that I admire, that I appreciate the most about him is his faithfulness, that, that God is true to his word, that God is constant in my life, that God can be counted on, that God keeps his promises, that if God said, Steve, your sins are forgiven, they are, that God said, Steve, one day I'm going to split the sky and take you home, that I can count on God, that's going to happen. It's not just wishful think, thinking, because my God, our God, is faithful. See, faithfulness, is, it's just who God is. You know, he, a matter, matter of fact, he can't be unfaithful. Even when we're unfaithful, he's still faithful because he cannot deny who he is. In Exodus 35, 34, God's people are already, I mean, they're, they're, they're like us, right? <laughs> Messed up and unfaithful, right? And, and they've already built this golden calf, and Moses came down, you know, you know paces when you feel like losing, well, he lost it, right? Smashed the, smashed the tablets, God said, Hope you enjoyed that. Get your pen out. <laughs> we got to start over again. You know? and, and so he comes down the mountain with these new tablets. And we read this. Then the Lord came down in the cloud and stood there with him and proclaimed his name, the Lord, the great I am. And he passed in front of Moses proclaiming. This is God talking about himself. God said, you want to know who I am, what I'm about? He said, this is who I am. The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and abounding in faithfulness. Our God is faithful. Our God is trustworthy. Our God is dependable. And because we're made in his image, God wants us to be faithful. Because he wants us to look more and more like Jesus, God wants us to be faithful and dependable. Why is faithful such a huge deal? Next, because faithfulness pleases God. In fact, the Bible says, without faith, it is what? It's impossible. And the Greek word for impossible means impossible to please God. Kind of says it all. A, a, a third reason faithfulness is a big deal, and I, I, really, I really like this one, is that, is that it moves us into the realm of the unexplainable. You see, when you and I take that step of faith, we unleash the supernatural power of a supernatural God, and some crazy things happen, like giants fall, waters part, right? Walls come crumbling down, enemies are defeated, the blind receive their sight, 
Those in bondage are set free. Food is multiplied. The dead come back to life. Things happen when God's people step out in faith. And I'm here to tell you, church and Steve, you know, God didn't like, at the end of the first century, say, I'm done doing powerful supernatural stuff. He still does stuff today. He's the same God. He has the same power. Just read in Galatians 3 this week, Galatians 3, 5. I, I ask you again, does God give you the Holy Spirit and work miracles among you because you obey the law? Of course not. It's because you what? You believe the message you heard about Christ. See, God, we serve a God who does miracles. We serve a God that if you and I would step out in faith, he would do the unexplainable. Has God ever done the unexplainable in your life? If we had time, we could go across this room, right? You could tell times, you know what? Where things didn't add up in the natural. Would you say, you know, I think God wants me to do that. And you took that step and the waters parted because our God is faithful. And when we're faithful, we enter the realm. And guess what? We get the, like Peter, yeah, Peter may be sunk, but he's the only guy that walked on water, right? Because he got out of the boat. Faithfulness takes us to this crazy place. And it's also a big deal because Faithfulness fuels a great witness, right? I mean, think about it. Who is more faithful to share Christ? Uh, the person at work who's never on time, who, who, who doesn't do their job, constantly complains, gossips about the boss, doesn't show up when they're supposed to show up. You know, and then a person says, hey, can I talk to you about Jesus? It's not going to work, right? Faithfulness fuels a, it fuels a powerful witness, uh, Romans 1.8 says, first I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because your faith is being reported all over the world. I mean, wouldn't it be great that the, our world, our community just said, man, we love Christians. If every help wanted sign we see you know, and, and every job, headhunting thing out there would always say, please find us Christians to work for us. We love, give us more Christians. Lowe's needs help. Christians, please, please apply. We love having Christians work for us. They're the absolute best. They're so faithful. They're so dependable. They're so reliable. We can always count on them. That's what God wants us to be, right? God wants our church and and every Christian uh, to be faithful. Amen? Maybe we all need to step it up a little bit, right? Another reason it's a big deal is because God rewards our faithfulness. You see, one day, you and I, we, we really will, not making this up, we will be eyeball to eyeball with God, and God's going to reward us and judge us. And that reward and judgment will not be based on our accomplishments, what we've given, what we said, or anything like that. It's going to be based on one thing, on our faithfulness. And the words I want each of us to hear are what? Well done, thy good and faithful servant. Come and enter and share your master's happiness. Let me tell you, you know, happy, 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 right? God is happy, 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 right? God is the happiest person there's ever been. He says, enter my happiness. Enter this place that you could not even imagine. One of the reasons faithfulness is such a big deal is because God will reward us. And guess what? God wants us to want the reward. He said that in Hebrews eleven six. Without faith, it's impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those. I want that reward. Anybody want that reward? Anybody want, want the reward from God? It's like, man, I, I want that reward. I want that reward. Amen? So, so, so why should we be faithful? Because God is faithful. It moves us into the realm of the unexplainable. That's a kind of fun place to be. I'm not there often enough. It pleases God. It fuels a great witness. It, and God rewards our faithfulness. So how, how, do, how do we produce this fruit? Well, you know what? All the other fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, it's not the fruit of self, it's the fruit of the Spirit. And so all this production of fruit, it's all about connection. And first and foremost, it's about our connection to God. Paul said this in Galatians 3.3. Just read it this week. How foolish can you be? Anybody out there foolish? How foolish can you be? After starting your new life in the Spirit, why are you now trying to become perfect and mature by your own effort? Paul said, man, why are you doing that? You started with the Spirit. And then now why are you trying to do it on your own? You can't do it on your own. You'll never do it on your own. It's impossible to do it on your own. You're not expected to do it on your own. Why do you think I put the same power that rose Jesus from the grave in you? 
because you can't do it on your own. And, and that passage I, I read so much because it's so true, you know, what, what Jesus said in, in, in John, John chapter 15, talking to his guys the night of his death, you know, when he said, remain in me, I'll remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself, it must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Here's the kicker. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. I, 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 I can't explain it, but I know this. If you remain in God, you're going to produce fruit. You know? and, and I have one goal as a pastor, as your pastor, just one. One goal, one aim. It's it. I want to compel, encourage, convict, kick, slap, arrest, whatever, abuse, guilt, but I don't. So that you will have your own personal relationship with God. That's all I want. That's all I want. That's all I want you to do. I want you to know that there's a God who created you. He, he, he spoke this universe into existence and he loves you, and he died for you, and he wants to hang out with you, and he thinks you're awesome and amazing. Forget what the world says. God says you're incredible, and he wants you to know him, and he wants, to, he, he, wants you, he wants you to be known by him, to spend time with him. That's all I want. That's, only, that's my only goal, because if we do that right, then we're good, right? And then every motivation is coming from here. That is my goal. That is my heart. Because I know that, that a, a branch on a tree has no choice. It's going to bear fruit. If I can get you to hang out with God, spend time with God, read the word, pray to God, you're going to have some fruit. It's just going to happen. You've you got, you got no choice. And, but I do know that, that if you stay disconnected from God, you, you don't have a chance. It's not going to happen. And so this fruit is all about connecting. Uh, it's also about connecting to the word. Right? You know, Faith comes from hearing and hearing the word of God. You got, you got to be, you, got, you know, you got to be in this book. You got to read this book. You know, and we got, you know what, if it's got to start out as a duty, I don't care. Because one day it's going to be a desire. If it starts out as an obligation, I don't, I don't care. Because one day it's going to be an opportunity. And God is just going to pour truth out on you that's just going to radically change your life. He's just going to speak to you. He, he spoke to me, Mark 16, resurrection. Okay, God, how many times have I read that? Can't be nothing there for me. He goes, really, Steve? You don't think so? Ladies are going to the tomb, right? They know, they know, wow, there's a big stone in front of this tomb. Who's going to roll it away? And they get there, what's already rolled away? I don't know about you. A lot of times I, I, I feel this. I got a life I want to live. And I'm not living it. And it's like there's this big block in the way. And all I know, it's too big for me. I can't move it. You know what God said to me uh, 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 on, on when I read Mark 16 yesterday morning? He said, Steve, look up. The stone is already rolled away. Steve, don't you remember what I told you in 2 Peter chapter 1 just two days ago? By my divine power, I've given you everything you need for living a godly life. He says, the stone's already moved. And, and then I read on, and like the ladies are like, hey, wow, cool, Jesus is alive. And they told the disciples, they didn't, want, they didn't believe it. Two guys who met him on the road came back and told them they didn't believe it. It's hard to believe, isn't it? Like, you, maybe you're not even believing right now. You, know, you, you want to live this life, you don't really like where your life is right now. You know there's something blocking it, and I'm, and I'm telling you, the stone is gone if you're a Jesus follower, but it's so hard to believe, isn't it? You know, it, 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 we're so hard, it's so hard to believe what God says, but I'm here to tell you that this word will change you. You need to connect to God. You need to connect to the word. You need to connect to other fired up faithful believers, right? Other fired up faithful believers. I, I stuck some scripture references in there. I don't have time to read them. I like to be here like the 12, 12 o'clock midnight tonight. Is that even, that's 12 a.m. I don't even know. But, but, but <laughs> connect to God, connect to this book, connect to other fired up believers. Nothing like it. Yeah. It changes people. Yeah. If you're not sure how to do that, you know, fill out your connection card. Say, you know what, I want to connect. I don't know how to do this. You know, I, I get up, at, I meet with seven guys, 6 a.m. every Monday morning, five guys, 6 a.m. every Tuesday morning. And the whole thing is, I'm with a bunch of other fired up believers. Feel free to join those groups. Let's just start some groups. But you got to be around people who are fired up about Jesus, people who are where you want to be or, or at least headed in the same 
direction. Get it? And, 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 and next, and this will be kind of quick, but it's so important that, that we, have to, we have to connect our faith to actions. And James is talking about how, how Abraham believed God, and that was cool. He believed in his head, but, but he also took his son to the top of the mountain to sacrifice him because God said that's what he needed to do. And then James says these words right here. You see that his faith, Abraham, and his actions were what? Working together, and his faith was made complete by what he did. You see, our, our faith is made complete by what we do. And, and sometimes it's just taking that step into the valley like David did. Sometimes it's grabbing a hammer and some nails like Noah did. Uh, so, sometimes it's just having that conversation that, that, that you don't want to have or, or doing the things that you know God has been telling you to do. But you have to link up your faith with action. And it doesn't have to be a big step, right? It can be a little step, right? Because Jesus said that faith is small as a, as small as a mustard seed. You know, if you have that kind of faith, and because faith is so powerful that you can say that it's mulberry tree that is deeply rooted in the ground. Hey, get up out of there. And why don't you go take a swim in the sea? And it's going to go do it because that's the power of faith. We grow this fruit by connection. God, the word, other faithful fire believers, actions to our faith. And I've asked a, a good friend of mine to share a little bit of his story of how God's been moving in his life the last few years and stretching him and and uh it's a good shirt good looking shirt man i'll tell you what i'm liking it well that's it right you throw me under the bus with like three and a half minutes left and i'm just kidding i, sw- I swear you get taller every every service all right so i've got he said five minutes but i didn't set my watch forward so i've got an hour and five minutes hope you guys are prepared it was nearly four years ago, Easter of 2011, that Natalie and I started attending Maple Grove. We came here based on the recommendation of Tracy Samario. Um, Natalie knew her from the Moms Club, and they had some discussions, and she invited us to church here. So at that time of my life, I was just kind of going through the motions as a Christian. I wasn't really in the Word, wasn't living the life that God intended for me to live. Even though we went to church on Sunday, whether it was here or it was somewhere else. Um, I wasn't pursuing God during the week. I grew up in a home where we regularly did not attend church. It just, it wasn't discouraged, we just didn't practice it. Most of my young adult life was pretty much the same. This was until I met Natalie. Uh, Her family regularly attended church, and of course she immediately invited me to go, so it seemed like a prerequisite to be able to date her, so, you know, I was along for the ride. Jump forward. A number of years. Um, soon after we started attending here, I could feel God working in my life. Um, I was kind of voluntold by Bill Mack to uh, be on the buildings and grounds team, and next thing you know, I'm here on a Saturday afternoon cutting the church grass, listening to music, and I'm like, when, how did this happen? It didn't take long for Steve Malone to stick his claws into me. Uh, <laughs> after he found out that I was here, he started this, or he invited me to this thing called 1322. This was a Thursday morning Bible study uh, where men would dive deeper into the word and start to become accountable to one another. This group met at 5.45 in the morning. I never pictured myself, I was not a morning person, I never pictured myself getting up before dawn to read God's word and talk about the Bible with other guys. There I was. About a year into that program, Steve calls me and calls me into his office. I think I brought you french fries that day. Um, (laughs) and asked me if I'd be interested in joining a smaller group of guys he called a D-team. Um, after much deliberation, I joined in things have not been the same since. This group has a special place in my life. We meet every Tuesday morning at 6. We talk about our lives. We have a Bible study that we loosely follow. But more so, it's just become a place for us to encourage and, and love on each other. A place where you know the other guy has your back, regardless of your struggle, and you have his during his time of need. I've also been working with the youth here at Maple Grove. I join them on Wednesday nights, Sunday mornings. If you don't know them, the youth at this church are incredible. They have a passion and fire for God that's encouraging beyond anything I could have imagined before joining them. They've taught me much about faith, love, and courage. The struggles they go through are difficult and real, yet they come every week, and they show up, and they worship the Lord. Steve's talking about faithfulness when the road gets rocky. Well, just being a Jesus follower doesn't mean that excludes you. It hasn't protected me from hard times either. 
Last September, I got the news that my position in my company was no longer there, and I was being eliminated. So music's a way I feel God move in my life. I just have this connection. A lot of times, especially on Tuesday mornings, I'll wake up and I have some song in my head. Well, that day, I had I'll Praise You in the Storm playing through my head constantly. And it was my D group that I turned to when this happened. So God continued to pour out his mercy on me for some unknown reason. And it was a very short time that things began to fall into place, and now I have my own company and opportunities beyond anything that I could have expected. I take no credit for this. I put everything in God's hands when I was laid off. The old Mark would have burned the bridge. In fact, the old Mark would have set explosives, detonated the bridge, set fire to the rubble. Um, but I didn't do that this time. I was grateful for the opportunity, and I walked out with my head held high. So I've never heard God speak to me. I, just, I didn't know what that was. I had never had that experience, and I didn't know how you felt like that was happening in your life. That was up until about two months ago. For me, it wasn't an audible voice yelling my name. It was simply a feeling compelled to do something that I would not have otherwise wanted to do on my own. There's no other way I have to explain it. And, my only, and having been so richly blessed over the last few years, my only response is and has been obedience. I've told people that know about this that the fear of doing nothing is far greater than the fear of doing what God has told me to do. The mark that existed before Maple Grove is not the same man that stands before you today. There is no self-help book that has ever been written, no motivational speaker or seminar that you will ever attend that will change your life in the way reading and studying God's word will change your life. There's no group of friends, no team, no social club that will have more positive impact on your life than being surrounded by others who are in God's word. There's no explanation for this change in my uh, Sorry, there's no explanation for this change except for the power of Christ working through me. And you know, the crazy thing is, if you'd have told me three and a half years ago that I am who I am today, or I'm doing what I'm doing today, there is no way I would have believed you. And if you think I'm lying, ask Natalie. <laughs> and the even crazier thing is, I have no idea who I'll be years from now. And that's totally fine with me. So Maple Grove, I encourage you to invite someone to church. You never know. Three and a half years, they may be standing in this very spot, proclaiming the good news and the gospel of Jesus Christ and how it's changed their life. Anybody know what this is? He wants to be poked, right? Uh, Here's the deal. Here's the deal. My clock's winding down. Our time is getting short. Um, This message is so huge. And and, and there's some pictures I want to show you. Go, Go to the first picture first, and then we'll jump back to those words. You know, I, I'm taking advantage of my fireplace because we're going to move someplace without a fireplace. And, like, I like, like a fire. It's, like, really cool thing to do your quiet times. And, and, and I, I, I can sometimes make every, anything spiritual, right? That's a gift of preachers, right? And so I'm looking over these, this fire. And it's like, whoa, it's, like, not doing really good. I, it, it, that, like, it, it needs some help. I need to do something to it, right? And voila. You know, I bet I can poke it. And if I poke it, something could happen. And check this out. Next picture. Whoa! Look at that. I poked it. Now, now, to be totally honest, after I poked it and saw this, I realized I had a great illustration, so I had to put it out again to repoke it, all right? Because I say, you know, I, I found the illustration here and had to go back and recreate the dead fire, okay? To be totally honest, you know? But it, it's, it was like the same wood, right? I didn't, do, I didn't add anything to it. I, I just stirred it up, and, and the fire grew, and, 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 you know, where is God asking you to step up in your faith? I don't know where it is, right? Now, maybe it's God telling you, you know what, maybe I need to be a regular church attender instead of an every now and then church attender. You know, uh, uh, maybe God's telling you, you know what, you know you're supposed to be baptized. Jesus told you to do it. You've been putting it off. Why not do it? Or, or, or maybe you've taken the Belong or Discover Grove class, and you've not yet walked up here and said, you know what, I want to be a part of this church. I'm drawing the line. I'm a member here. I want you to hold me accountable and help me grow my faith. Maybe you need to sign up to take the next uh, Belong class after church in two weeks, right? Where, where are we going to? It's our, our membership class. Uh, in two weeks, during second service, where we get, we're going to have a grow class right, during second service to talk about habits that can help you grow. Maybe there's a conversation that you need to have that you're putting off, right? 
Maybe, maybe, there, maybe for you stepping up is, is, to, is to walk away from some sin, right? Repent of some sin and, and to walk away. You know, maybe it's to adopt. Maybe it's to foster care. Maybe it's a compassion kid. Maybe it's to volunteer somewhere. I, I don't know. But I know that where you are is not where God wants you to land. And, and, and I know that God doesn't want your greatest acts of faith to be in the rearview mirror. And for me personally, I, I need some more front mirror stuff. Yeah, because I can't look back. Well, in 1987, I, I left the Navy to go to Bible college. Big whoop! What am I doing now? I want to be poked. I, I want to be on fire for God. I want to. Do, I, I don't know totally what it is, but I want to find it, and I want to say yes, and I want to do it, and I want to be stirred up, and I want God to stir you up like those guys on the beach, right? He's worth it. He's worth everything. Let their faith stir you up. And you know what? Here's a good thing. One more picture. One more picture. My third picture. Put the third one on there. A little bit better, and I cheated. Start along. I, I call this the Holy Spirit. Because what I did, because once I got going on this illustration, I said, hey, you know what? Let me really help this sucker out, right? You know, and, 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 I, and I added some more wood, right? Yeah, and sometimes we just got to toss the Holy Spirit in, invite that person to church, add some more wood, and next thing you know, the fire's going to be burning. I don't know what God wants you to do, but I know he does want to stay where you are, and he does want to stay who you are, because your, your goal is to be like Jesus, and you're not there yet. And neither am I. And the world is waiting for us to be a faithful people. And we're, about, we're going to stand up and sing a song. It's about faithfulness. And, 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 and it's about God taking us to a place you know, where our trust and our faith no longer has borders, right? You know, you know, God wants to take us to the deep end. And, and his spirit can lead us there. And again, I, I don't know where you're at in your walk with God. And I just pray right now you forget about who's near you. I'm going to forget about you. You forget about me. And you just listen to spirit and say, God, where do you want me to go?